Welcome to episode 76 of On the Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On the Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now, here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Happy New Year. I hope you had an opportunity to have some fun with friends and family over the holidays. My wife and I welcomed our son, Zach, into the world nearly a month ago, so it's been a bit chaotic in our household as we get used to being a family of four. I'm excited, though, to be back this week because I've been waiting to share this interview with you. The positive energy from this conversation should put you in the right frame of mind to conquer all of your 2018 resolutions. On the Schmooze is proud to be a headliner on C-Suite Radio, which is part of the C-Suite Network, a network of a half million C-level executives. Now, on to this week's show. My guest today cooks on TV, plays music in the streets, and often finds her foot in her mouth. She also happens to be an Ivy League neurobiologist, speaks six languages, and has had her writing published by Forbes, CNN, Vogue, Rolling Stone, and Edible Boston. She's the founder of MadBod, a program through which she helps women who feel desperate, hopeless, and stuck in their bodies to feel fit, focused, and free for life. The queen of starting over, she has learned the art of forming deep connections through curiosity, courage, and taking chances, despite the fact that she says her alter ego is Larry David. Please join me in welcoming Raina Javari. Hi, Robbie. It's great to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, Raina, thank you so much for joining me from your office in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I want to just jump right in. This is a podcast about leadership and building great networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Leadership for me means being at the front of the parade. <laughs> I play in a band um, and I find myself at the front of the parade a lot. And as a child, I thought it was because I was short, because I'm five foot two, um, and we had to line up in height order for assembly and for you know all the activities that you do in school that require being in single file. I was at the front of the line. And even if it was because I was short, I think I got used to being at the front of the line. So I had to make decisions about which way we had to turn or where, you know, the speed at which we had to go. And and now I can't imagine being anywhere else. <laughs> I was in the I was in the gym the other day and I normally um I'm normally toward the front. And I was I was running a bit late so I was at the back in my last spot in the back corner and the instructor like from the beginning and then at the end she called me out both times she's like it's so weird to see you in the back uh-huh. <laughs> she's like how is it there I was like I need to check out temperature back here too sometimes so it's good but you know to answer your question it's leadership to me it means helping others perhaps with direction or speed of doing things um and also giving permission, mm. which is something I've been thinking about lately. And we can get into that. Well, it seems like you naturally gravitate now, like physically to these sort of leadership spaces. Are you also finding yourself like when people need to get organized, either you know socially or through a job? Are you the person to sort of say like, oh, okay, let's make a decision. Here are the three options. Like, I'm used to ordering. I'm, I'm being. I, I'm used to being handed the menu at restaurants and saying, "Just 
order for us. That's kind of, that's not even a metaphor. That is like, that's really what <laughs> happens. Because I have a sense of, well, one, I'm very picky. I know what I like. And I also am interested in other people and what they like or what, what drives them. Like it, it, the human puzzle is my favorite. I love puzzles. Mm. And the human one is my absolute favorite. So I love trying to understand people better. And I feel like in positions of leadership, you are given that great honor and responsibility to, to understand really how people work and from the inside out, mm-hmm. and how they might work with each other. Um, and you just facilitate that. Yeah. I've always thought that everyone has at least one thing that would motivate them, right? It's just a question mm-hmm. of finding out what that one thing is and then how it fits into this puzzle, right? Of the thing, mm-hmm. of, the, of the grander vision that we're all working towards. Absolutely. I recently discovered Gretchen Rubin's um, framework. I don't know if you know if you mm-hmm. Gretchen Rubin. Um, but she just, you know, has this book now, The Four Tendencies, and it's this framework of of essentially four types of people um, divided about how, what motivates them and how they get mm. motivated. I found it super helpful. It was like the breakthrough moment for me. I mean, I'd been trying to solve my own internal human puzzles for a long time. I mean, it's a lifetime's work. But I feel like I had a major breakthrough uh, not long ago. And the last piece of the puzzle was this framework of recruitment, which is the four tendencies understand that all my life I felt like I had to be a certain way and I've been trying to push myself into that way because somehow I thought it was better or expected or necessary and this framework helped me understand how I actually am and Mm. understand what truly motivates me and it felt like a like an amazing lightness Wow, discover great. this yeah. and stop pressuring myself into becoming something I am not and accepting how I am. And I've been able to radically change my life in a very short time by that, not only that realization, but that was the final piece, mm-hmm. as I said, of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, well, we will definitely put a link to that book in the show notes because um, I know of her work, but I have not yet read this book. So now I am super excited to dive into it. <laughs> I get the best suggestions from my guests. So thank you so much for that one. <laughs> Um, do you feel like you, you've, it sounds like you've had this tendency your whole life. Um, and now you've, you've, and, and that you've iterated <laughs> throughout your life. Like, um, you know, you've had quite a range of careers and even right now, currently you're doing a zillion different things that you enjoy. Um, and some of them even make you money. So, um, <laughs> is that, is that also sort of bit what, what's been true for you? Like there's a, is there sort of a, a curiosity that keeps you exploring new projects all the time? Absolutely. I think um, I've been like this all my life. And another really important reframe for me was, you know, thinking most of my life I thought and I was told that I was um, unfocused mm-hmm. or, you know, didn't have good direction and and this this assumption that I must pick one thing and only do that one thing forever felt right. incredibly suffocating. Mm. And again, I was trying to fit myself into that mold and it never worked. It just didn't work. So I've always been drawn to um, the novelty of things, but also the, the, the big picture of figuring out, like I'm the one that will, will understand maybe what a project needs um, mm-hmm. or what a person needs. And then coming up with some kind of creative, either structure or system by which they may do that to be, 
So is that the framework? I guess I'm, I'm what curious because a lot of my guests have had this sort of broken road career path. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, is there any kind of common thread that, that, we, that in your mind, maybe no one else will see it, but is there something that you see that weaves it all together and makes it make sense? Right now, um, I mean, when I talk about this final piece of the puzzle fitting in, it felt a bit like that. Like, finally, I feel like I can make sense of all the different things I've been drawn to. Like, I was um, drawn towards science and biology as a kid. Um, growing up in India, you know, very often your career choices are professionally driven uh, or, or professionally based. So it's, you know, do you want to be a lawyer? No, not really. A business person, not really my my thing. Um, do you want to be an engineer? I was like, yeah, I like to think about, you know, I don't think that. So what's uh-huh. left? The fourth one is like, be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and if you like humans and biology, then of course you should be a doctor. So I sort of picked that by default. It's something my father always spoke about wanting to do for himself, but he couldn't. And so I think I took that on a bit. So I studied, I was pre-med and I studied biology. But then at some point, I think at the end of my, um, towards the end of college, I realized I was spending all my time studying Spanish and teaching myself a book. That's, I, I grew up in a foodie family. My grand aunt was basically the, the Julia child of India, um, Wow. which is amazing heritage. I mean, and my grandfather was also sort of known as the, the gourmand in his society. So people came to our house to eat. I mean, everything was about food. We were making houseway in the early 80s in Bombay where nobody was. So I grew up in this environment of being at the forefront um, of things, of food. We, have, we uh, were patrons of mu- music. So uh, Indian classical musicians before they became big would would be um, hosted at our house and play concerts. What a culturally rich like experience growing yeah, up. Yeah. And so, actually, I want to make sure people know that they, that right now one of the things you are doing is that you are. It says at the beginning of the intro. It says my guest cooks on TV. That that's literally true. <laughs> that's that's a thing that not many people are able to say. So, can you say a little bit about what you find v- most rewarding about that aspect of the work you're doing today? Absolutely. Um, I well, I love being in front of people. I love being in front of the camera, um, and I love well the food aspect. Um, is something I've always done, and I think at some point, I remember someone in my family saying, "You need to be in front of people." So there's an entertainment and an education aspect, mm. as well as a connection aspect. And so for all of us to come together, I mean, people now ask me, "What do you do?" I say, "I, I cook." And they say, oh, where do you cook? And I say, on TV, and it is not the answer that they expect. <laughs> um, and I should mention the show is called Christopher Kimball's Milk Street. And um, it's on PBS. Yeah, it is on, so here's it's on public television. PBS is one distributor, they're not ah. a distributor for public television. Um, in the Boston area, it's on WGBH. And it's also available on their website. And it's also on the website, milkstreettv.com. Yeah. You can watch episodes, you can watch me. Run my mouth on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and you're great. And I love the bantering. I think that part of it, it co- comes across your, um, you're a very warm person. And so it's, it's really great to sort of see you, you know, imagine that some people as they're trying to just sort of remember to how to do all the steps, it's hard to also be present and like mm-hmm. on and, and, you know, um, I guess performing mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you make it seem so seamless. I want to mention here actually how you and I met because I've only known you a few months. Um, 
we met through my good friend, Dory Clark, who I probably mentioned every third episode of this podcast. <laughs> She's such a big influence in my life. And Dory was coming to Boston uh, for an event and we were meeting up um, to have a little dinner together and you were there. And then like a couple months later, Dory came back again uh, and you were there. And, and the thing is, you were not already a part of one of her programs. You were not in one of her courses. Um, and she does make an effort to meet up with people who are members of her programs. Um, so I was really curious, partly to have you on to talk about how you sort of do this, because I also then realized soon after that you were also in Zero to Launch, which is uh, Ramit Sethi's program. And you were heading off to a conference. And I would not be surprised if you tell me that you ended up having coffee with Ramit because that's who you are. Um, but it seems like you feel pretty comfortable like making these, these connections with what I would call s- sort of within these specific industries or particular communities, sort of A-list you know, people, the people that, that are kind of, you know, first of all, incredibly busy. They already know a zillion people but you're able to get on the radar. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how all the things you've done in your life so far have prepared you to do this. Is, is there something about how you've been curious and you're not like, is it scary to do that? Is it hard? Is it just pr- come with practice? Like, how did you, how did you end up sitting and having dinner with me and Dora Clark? <laughs> I remember as a kid, my sister who's three years uh, younger than me, she came to me one day and just said, you know, you can't just talk to everybody. You can't just go around talking to strangers. <laughs> I must have been, oh, I want to say it was maybe 10 when she was seven. And I turned to her and said, well, why not? And that has been an attitude that I've had all my life because I'm curious about people. I think, why not? A person to person no matter how small or how big, yeah. right? I later worked with a lot of musicians. I was um, part of one of the, actually the first of its kind, a, a, a jazz club, a live jazz club in Bombay, um, starting that up. And we worked with a lot of musicians. And I remember thinking and reminding myself that these are, these are people too. They get tired, they get hungry, they get lonely, you know. Yeah. They, get up in the morning with a full bladder, just like me. <laughs> and then that image in your head of, oh my God, this is this person who's achieved these things. doesn't become less true. They may have achieved all these amazing things, but they are also human. They also have needs and wants and hopes and things and fears and dreams. And that's the person and that's the level at which I want to meet them. I'm not interested in being a raving fan. That's mm-hmm. boring because they have so many. Right. You know, nobody asks them how they are really doing. Very few people do. And that I have chosen to believe that. And and I feel like then then that then that comes across in in my I just reach out to them. And you know what? If I reach out to 10 people, I have no agenda. Let me just say with all of this, like when I met Dory, I had no agenda. I just really like her material. I only came across her maybe. Um, a few months before I met you, when I met you with her, I didn't even know she existed maybe four months before that. I didn't know who she was. But your life as you go through its 
turbulences and twists and turns will you learn things, especially with an open mind. Um, I'm super curious about everything all the time. And so I stumbled across her stuff and I started reading her and Ramit CD around the same time. This is all, all this happened within like six months. I knew nothing. And suddenly I'm meeting these people. <laughs> um, and I just wrote to her and I think I learned this along the way that, you know, having this, this image of other people, especially successful people, kind of remembering that they're human was one. And two was just um, remembering to thank people. Mm-hmm. It's something um, I think is if, if there's any one takeaway I would give to anybody on your show, it would be how wonderful it is to hear someone say thank you. That means that they appreciate what you are bringing into the world, what you are doing, that you are being seen and heard. And to be seen and be heard is, I think, a fundamental human need. It's so true. And as somebody who puts content out into the world through this podcast and a recent book uh, and previously through lots of blog posts and online posts, Anybody who has has regularly commented and shared and liked and appreciated that content, or I just got um, a really long, like multiple paragraph reply email from um, an email I sent out from someone who read my book. And they wrote like four paragraphs about the book. And they said, oh, you know, I haven't actually had a moment yet to write a review. And they mean on Amazon, but here they are writing me this like lengthy email about their experience with it and what they got from it and how it's going to help them help their colleagues and how they now feel like they know more than their superiors at their job about relationship building and how they feel confident and they want to now inspire a shift in their culture. Wow. Right. (laughs) Like unbelievable to hear this because most of the time when those of us who are creating content or doing it, we're doing it somewhat in isolation. And we don't have that instant feedback. When I'm on stage speaking, I get feedback right away from the audience. But when I'm home and I'm writing something and I'm posting it into the world, oftentimes there's crickets. There's mm-hmm. no response. There might be a handful of likes, but it doesn't seem like it took tra- it got traction. And you don't know. Sometimes it's months later, you find out that somebody was inspired by something you wrote and then took some action, but they didn't tell you. And so you're right, like this extra effort to, to be, and I think what's important is to be specific about what mm-hmm. it was you're thanking them for, because just saying thank you, the accolades make you a raving fan. Um, yeah. But to say, I read this particular article and it in this way impacted my life and I'm now going to do X, Y, Z differently. Like the reason we create is to make that impact in the world. So what a great tip to like give people is A, to remember people are human and B, to thank them. And I want to sort of say overarching is to be curious, right? Is to have mm-hmm. some curiosity about this human puzzle and, and realize that like, um, yeah, I've had the good fortune actually of knowing Dory for almost 10 years. Um, we met in like 2008, I think. So yeah, nearly a decade. And so She's an overnight success 10 years in the making, and I've witnessed <laughs> most of those 10 years. So I could really appreciate the effort she's put in. I mean, the incredible effort 
for her to be where she is today, you know, it's her, it's her energy that she's put into this and that she's helped others along the way. But anybody who's meeting her for the first time, it's hard to see the 10 years of effort, mm-hmm. right? But you're, you're saying, I'm going to assume that there's effort and I'm going to mm-hmm. appreciate you for it. Am I, am I kind of paraphrasing this for you? No, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly what I mean. As someone who is a maker, even in the kitchen, you know, to know the effort that goes into and the energy that goes into creating a dish or a meal, knowing that it's going to be consumed. I mean, that my, my craft doesn't, uh, you can't hang it on walls and sell it in auctions. <laughs> and right, it won't be there for very long because it's delicious. <laughs> it goes away. <laughs> it goes away. And so the only moment that you can have that exchange, that experience and then the exchange is right then and there. Right. And yeah. I know what goes into it and I know how much it means. I mean, your book, by the way, can I please plug Robbie's book? Croissants <laughs> <laughs> versus Bagels. Read it. It's amazing. Um, I use your techniques uh, for networking at Ramit's um, conference that I went to in Chicago. And it's the first time I'm going to this thing. I don't know this world very much. I don't know these people very much. Um, But I took the initiative, which is another wonderful thing. Most people are waiting for someone to take initiative. Right. That's all it is. Just to say, hey guys, my play is Sunday at 10 a.m., you know, mm-hmm. come by. And the rest will, you know, you don't have to do all of the things. You don't have to cook all the food and do all the hosting. You can ask people to help out. In fact, it helps distribute the load. And people feel more part of something. Sure. When they're given a task or contributing. We like to contribute. Um, so I did, I just said, hey, I just for women, I want to have a, like a, a little meetup just for women. And like people, suddenly they're like, okay, she's, this is awesome. Yes, we would like to. And like there's 50 people saying, hey, we want to hang out and meet each other. <laughs> um, you know, that I got from your book, like take the initiative, talk to people, have real conversations. Um, I think the okay. word real is kind of overused. So <laughs> I would like to find a better one, but more meaningful ones. Like really just show up and be, I'm like this all the time. I, I'm, I like to be open and honest and vulnerable. It's scary, but the more I practice it, mm-hmm. the more I feel like I'm not edited and I'm not. Well, and people are drawn to you because you're sharing that part of yourself and other people are probably repelled because they can't handle it. To, um, so it's like, fine, yeah. you, you, tra- you attract the people you want to be around and the people who are like, ah, yeah. they, they don't <laughs> stick around and they're like, too much, I can't handle it. And you're like, that's okay, on you. Which is fine. <laughs> um, it makes my life easier. Like, why, don't hang out with me if you don't have a good time and I won't do the same. It's it's totally cool. We can't be everything to everybody and I've become right. okay with that. But yeah, so I use stuff from your book. Thank you. I'm glad you did. And, I, and it's been really fun to hear from people. So if anyone listening has had a experience reading my book, uh, you know, hit, hit reply to one of my emails, uh, write me a review on Amazon, tell me, in a tweet. I, I love to hear that. I really do. Because um, it's inspiring me to keep putting content out there and keep running programs to help people. Um, so speaking of which, helping people and running programs, you have a new initiative that is, is kind of interesting because you are a foodie, you are a cook on TV, and you're also taking on this 
effort to help uh, particularly women step into a space where they really feel in control of their bodies and feel um, really good about what they're eating. And you, you came to this through your own efforts. And I have known you long enough to actually see this transformation online of all these photo updates. So it's pretty impressive from afar. So talk a little bit about like how you entered that path and then how you decided to expand it. Like were people just sort of begging you for it? And then you're like, okay, fine, I guess I'll do it. This is what it seems like happened. <laughs> it really took me by surprise. Um, but at some point last summer, I found myself, it's been a really difficult, I mean, the last four years have been tough for me in some ways, but you know, that's life. Uh, I moved from overseas. I got married. I had a child. I, um, you know, found my dream job. I had other difficult emotional spaces to navigate. So it's been, it's been pretty, uh, a kind of a roller coaster. And, um, I, I came from a place where I was really kind of fit and healthy. I was outdoors every day in the tropics, in the ocean, swimming every day. You know, I just felt so great. I felt good. Um, and I found myself at a point four years later where I was really not feeling good at all. It's been really, um, restricted by how I felt in my body and this is important it's not a weight Uh thing it's a feeling of feeling a feeling of heaviness Uh and a feeling that my body was in my way Um, it was blocking energy Um, and so I approached like many things uh, you know people see it as willpower but I was like no it is absolutely just desperation I just really needed to not feel like this anymore and I approached it with all the things I've been learning from from Rami Sethi and from Dory Clark um, BJ Fogg is his researcher in Stanford who has a program called Tiny Habits dot I want to say it's Tiny Habits dot org um, it's a five day free habit training so I've been reading about habit formation and motivation and psychology and then with my background in food and I even have a fitness uh, background from way back when all of it kind of came together but especially the the personal psychology and mindset pieces Mm. were what really changed things for me um, and allowed me to create this I said I'm going to do an experiment for 30 days because I want to change how I feel from the inside and I started I just used tips from different people, um, eating styles from different camps. I don't belong to any certain one. Um, and the, the the mechanics of it are, kind of, are less important. I mean, I, I do sort of very low carbohydrate, um, a high fat eating, which is kind of, it just requires destroying a lot of s- scripts we've grown up with in our head. Um, that fat is bad and wow. The stuff. scripts, the scripts part really sounds a lot like Ramit Sethi because that's, that's <laughs> totally him. Cause we all have scripts in our head about everything. Yeah. But I know this one cause I actually, I have friends that are doing some versions of this and they do the whole, like the butter in the coffee, the whole mm-hmm. bulletproof coffee thing. Yep. And part of it's like, you know, we, we as Westerners haven't seen this, even though it's some, it's pretty common in other parts of the world, mm-hmm. but also like fat, you know, fat and butter equals bad, right? Like there's a message we've been fed for right. a really long time about food. And so you're, you're like, okay, I'm not going to listen to that, those old scripts. I'm going to, I'm going to like, look at the data. This is your science background too. I'm going to look at the data in front of me background. and I'm going to like, you know, learn, see the, see the truth in a different way. Um, yeah. 
so you you saw results and shared them. Part of it was probably motivation, right? Mm-hmm. To get shared with the world, external that was motivation. Part of my contract with myself. I said right. I have to eat in a certain way um, for thirty days. It was just I had to limit it. I cannot do things for life. It would right. I would bomb immediately. Um, I wanted to exercise just 20 minutes a day. Like it had to be super doable anywhere. So I say no stuff, no shoes, no space. It has to work um, and no time. 20 minutes, high intensity exercise in the space, the size of a coffin with bare feet. I should be able to do it. So I have no excuses. I had to take away my excuses. Um, food had to be really simple. I had a lot of variety, a lot of options to play wow. around. I do not do recipes, no apps, no gaps, no counting, um, no calories. Like I didn't want anything fancy and then I added as the motivation piece that I must share what I'm doing Mm. every single day at least one insight or a photo or something fun something I've learned I must share it because that's the final piece of the puzzle that was missing for me I tried different things in the past um, but I needed to feel connected to people I knew Mm -hmm. or wanted to know Um, and not just to strangers and not just to myself, not just to nobody. And that really helps with sharing that journey. But I didn't realize what it created then is a tremendous amount of interest in people. I've been, I, my phone was running out of battery by noon just because I could not keep up. I mean, I wanted to respond to everybody as best I could. Um, and I got long, very personal messages, private messages about people trying to share things that they were going through, very personal stuff. Um, and just the excitement that it created, that change is possible. You're seeing it happen. I'm doing this as an experiment. I'm sharing everything. Like there's nothing, there's no big secret. Everything works, man, Robbie, you know that. Like every, yeah. every diet, every piece of advice, every, you know, everything works if you can find a way to do it. And I hadn't found a way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's great because also in, in the world of online business and entrepreneurship, there's a lot about sort of minimally viable product, um, right? The, mm-hmm. the lean startup. And, and the idea is like you, you create something and you test to see whether people are interested. And so you were the experiment. You were sharing it. You've ended up building a bunch of followers. You didn't mean to, but you built this group of people who were really excited to see your journey. Um, to see your progress and that they felt like it could mean something for themselves, even if weight and diet and size wasn't their issue, mm-hmm. it could be they needed inspiration for something else. They were mm-hmm. taking lessons from your journey for themselves. That's a sign of leadership too, I would say, right? It's like you're being, the, the willingness to be vulnerable in that way was helpful to you, a missing piece for you, but also really offered something to the, the community that you have and probably strengthened a lot of ties. So that's, I mean, just think about that. Like it doesn't have to be through your journey that listeners do this. It could be something entirely different that they struggle. I mean, it could be, you know, working on their first (laughs) pull-up, right? Like I hung for 10 seconds. I hung for 20 seconds. (laughs) You know, my feet were like, you know, four inches off the floor. (laughs) Like, I mean, like whatever it is, if there's a journey that you can track it'll motivate you to do it, but it also shows other people something's possible. So that's really cool. And now that's how you end with bad bod, right? Like you were like, okay, I've got to like move on this. Like mm-hmm. people are, are interested in this. 
I wanted to continue what I was, I felt so good. And the more I discovered about this way that I was eating, um, the weight became a very, I mean, I lost uh, a lot very quickly, but that's pretty normal in this way. And then it stabilizes. And that wasn't really the focus. That became really a kind of a fringe benefit, like feeling like, yeah. oh, my clothes are too big. This is a good problem to have. Um, more than anything, I felt such uh, an incredible mental clarity. Mm. I found, I felt like surges of energy. I mean, there is a euphoria that is associated. And this is all just through normal food. Like I'm not buying any products. I'm not taking any supplements, nothing. It's just really almost similar to what I was eating anyways. I had to make some a couple of very minor tweaks, switching fat for, car, you know, little things um, that made a huge difference, which is also great because I'm impatient and I need highly efficient things. I need to, I need <laughs> it to be super efficient and effective. I have a small child. Um, my husband and I both work um, for ourselves. So I don't have time to faff about. <laughs> yes. So, I, you know, cracking that was really great. And, Seeing that people were interested, they said, can we do what you're doing? What are you doing? Tell us. And that has become this impetus now. You know, I, I led um, another 30-day program experiment with a group, a pilot group. Uh, and they've had incredible results. Mm. And I was so humbled by it. And I was so honored that they joined me do this. Mm -hmm. And that they were getting so much out of it. I mean, just seeing them, the things they were writing, they're posting pictures of themselves. And these are people who are, they have really difficult things going on in their lives. It's not just about the weight. They are warriors yeah. in their lives. And these are, many of them are, you know, unseen struggles. They are uh, invisible battles that they are not in a place to speak about publicly. Mm -hmm. but seeing them get confidence and go through their life challenges daily with this renewed sense of self, with the self-confidence, with, with the strength that they had not previously seen, that is so fulfilling. And I felt a sense of purpose. It's like, it, it must, I, how can I not do this? I feel compelled yeah. to help light their fires. That's all it is. You know, when I was in Chicago, um, at Ramit's conference, Forefront, which is amazing. People should check it out and everything he puts out because, well, uh, it was great. And I took myself dancing. Um, I do a lot of this. I, I take myself out a lot, like by myself. I love my own company. Um, and it's important that I, I check in and do it regularly. So I took myself out. I had a blast. I went to like three different places and danced and had a jazz concert, like at the feet of a blind Hammond B3 organ player. Like it was amazing. Um, but... <laughs> I went to this party and the music was so great. I walk in and I just, it's just something. It's so, how can you not move? Right. And the dance floor was empty. There was one woman wow. who was rocking out and there's these people around. There's people standing at the bar and there's people sitting at booths or, you know, high top tables and whatever. And you could see their feet tapping and their shoulders shaking just a little bit. They're holding back. You can, I could, Tell, like something in them is moving, but they're not yet. They want to go in, but something is holding them back. Whether it's fear or of some sort, I, I base a lot of my uh, understanding of the world also in fear and courage. Um, and 
and I went on to the dance floor. And this is something I've done most of my life, but I could finally articulate why I was doing this and that I did this thing. And I made a commitment that night that I will always be first on the dance floor because what follows in the minutes, in the seconds following is absolute magic. Um, Within 10 minutes, that floor was packed. I'm not saying this is because of me. Yeah, yeah. I am simply there. I step away from this. I light the fire. I get I get it going. And the most fulfilling thing is to step away and just see this floor bouncing. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I've been in that same space. I'm not much of a dancer, but I'm I, I'm probably more prone to starting the dance mm-hmm. than joining in once it's happening, unless it's a song mm-hmm. I love. Because I'm just like, come on, we're all here. So um, in the time remaining, I wanted to ask you about um, how, how you have not just, I mean, you've met a zillion different people because you keep like shifting your focus. You're so varied in your interests. You have all these different communities that maybe have some overlaps and some none. Are you doing anything purposeful to really nurture these connections as you're meeting people? Is there like a practice you have of of checking in or hosting things or is it this online 30 day challenge? Was that part of it? Like, like how, like all the people you met at forefront in Chicago a few months ago, like what's your intention and then plan and follow through for actually staying connected to people? Um, I don't know that I have a very organized structure or plan. Uh, except, except to to talk to people. Um, I try to. I like. I, I can't. I don't have a tactical thing that might be really helpful to share. Except that I got really organized with my calendar. That is very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I'll put certain things on there. I like to work like daily and weekly, in weekly mm-hmm. and daily cycles. Um, I never thought I would ever do this uh, all my life again. Another another script that I had to rework was that I am, I'm a creative person. And so I cannot be restricted by schedule and I, you know, being too organized, (laughs) super boring. And it has been the most liberating thing ever because I'm not spending energy making little decisions, um, daily noisy decisions of like, Oh, what should I do now? What should I do then? I don't, it doesn't have to be super exact, but I, I, I separate sort of blocks of time for certain things. So every Thursday I will get on a call with my, from you know um, accelerator which is the coaching program uh, from ZTL and this whether I have a question or not I'm going to show up because it takes everyone to show up to have a party so right. I'll listen I'll keep you know um, I play music once a week with a friend and that's super important to me so I just pitch in my calendar and that's how we stay in touch I am part of um, a musical community which is an amazing initiative for school of Hong at org it's an open format band who's primary purpose is to have fun and not worry about wrong notes, which mm. is such genius life advice. I'm following that advice in everything I do. So showing up there every week now, I started, um, you know, as a, the, the first melodica player in that band, it's a big band. Anyone can come and play in the streets, brass music. Um, hmm. and These are a lot of fun. I've, I've listened. Yeah. We get, we get strangers to dance in the street. It's the same thing. It's yeah, an yeah. energy, it's an energy transfer. So there's That's people, great. I meet with whom I have a good feeling of energy transfer, that it is mutual. It's appreciated. We enjoy each other's company. Fun is such a driving theme in my life. Um, 
and and happiness, but not in the fluffy sense of happiness, but happiness is the joy in moving towards your full potential. Yeah. I think that's Sean Aker that said that, the happiness uh, advantage, I think. And so so choosing to remain in that state of, of joy and service while understanding, I mean, life is hard, stuff is happening. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not all you know, rainbows and unicorns, uh, being Hmm. super aware of that. And specifically because that's the case, choosing joy and choosing uh, to be appreciative. Well, that's so important, right? Because there's still, there's always going to be more to do to create the world that we want to be living in, but we have to also find joy in the, in the, in the process of doing that. We can't, we can't all, we can't put off the joy to the end. No, it's it's backwards. It's yeah. totally backwards. We should be living it, and that will actually get us to where we want to go. So if we were to check in a year from now, and I know we'll cross paths a lot before then, I'm sure, I hope, um, what celebrations will we be acknowledging for you? Like, it, it, what, what do you hope will transpire in the next year that you're going to be like, oh, Robbie, I've got to tell you all the great things that happened last year. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Are you making me make a public commitment? This is awesome. Do it. This is awesome. In the next year, let's see. Well, I would love for Madbot to become a viable program and help lots and lots of women. Um, that's definitely on there that I am. I have at least five X to my service to the world in, even in my corner of it. Um, that is really important that I become a better musician, maybe play on a stage. Um, I do that already. <laughs> but in my, bigger in my stages. Smaller, in bigger yes. stages, yes. I want to be on bigger stages just so I can get in front of more people to have fun. Um, I think that is a good service to the world to, to go through it with as much joy as you can um, yeah. together. And yeah, you know, I'll take some book, advi- book writing advice from you. I think I have a book or two in Ooh. me at some point. Uh, maybe not the next year. <laughs> this is <laughs> but, actually the first time I'm mentioning this on this show. But after the success of my book launch and it hitting number one in three Amazon categories, 2,500 downloads in the first few days and 150 reviews in the first week, in the process of that launch, I started getting questions about how I launched. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I was still in the middle of it and I was like, (laughs) I got things I still got to do. So I'm now offering as one of my services coaching for authors who want to launch an Amazon bestseller. and. I've had a series of clients referred to me and I'm now working with a bunch of people. And right now I'm doing mostly one-on-one and I'm going to start thinking about how to do some group coaching because I do group coaching around the relationship building and networking, Mm -hmm. finding business opportunities side of my work. And I think the, as you said earlier, like that group process is so important and I think people get so much out of it. But right now, um, because people are in very different places in their journey, I'm offering a lot of sort of um, strategy sessions, a series of strategy sessions. And I'd be very happy to talk to you because I believe everyone has a book in them. I really do. I don't come to writing a book easily. And so I am very happy to support people and figure out how to make it work for their own life. Um, But everybody should should get that first book done so they can get to writing the next book. You know, like I'm now, I'm a firm believer of it. And um, I've heard from Chandler Bolt, who is the founder of Self-Publishing School, there's a stat that he quotes all the time, like 82% of people want to write a book and only 1% actually do. So I want to help move that dial 
you know, to like one and a half percent. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's going to be your one year commitment. (laughs) Yeah. But not just books, but like best-selling books that are worthy of being bestsellers. Like the kind of books, like a lot of the paperbacks that have sold of my book, um, have been passed along to other people. And I've had those people reach out to me and say, Hey, so-and-so gave me a copy of your book and now they're clients. So write the kind of book that people want to share because Mm -hmm. it's that useful. Mm-hmm. Right. That's or, you know, write a, a memoir because people need to be inspired. You've got a great story to tell about a life that you've led that can inspire I have lots people. Lots of stories. So I'm many stories. Oh my god. I don't gosh. watch TV and I, I want to be on TV, but I don't watch TV because my life is um I live it through stories. Yeah. So and we can create our own. You know. Absolutely. Well, I would I challenge am, your readers who want to uh, or your listeners rather, who want to try something to yeah make a list of 10 people that they've been wanting to reach out to and just send 10 emails. Right. That's a great action step. Send 10 emails with zero expectation, but write it, be specific and be thankful and leave it at that. Ask for nothing. Yeah. Um, and then get back in touch with Robbie and, and, and let us know. I'd love happens. to hear how this goes. <laughs> I've even heard the advice from Selena Sue that you can actually add a line that says no response necessary. I mm-hmm. just wanted to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's it. I've done that uh, in response to emails that I, you know, I'm on all these email lists and those people reply, right? Because they're just like sending these things out all the time. Most people who reply back are complaining and they're, it's so nice to get a, a affirmative mm-hmm. message. So I want to make sure we have time for you to share a little bit of, of how people can find you and follow your work. So I have to think about all my links, but I don't remember. I think on Facebook, my um, I'm facebook.com slash Raina Javeri, R-A-Y-N-A-J-H-A. B is in Victor, E-R-I. And uh, madbod.com is my website, M-A-D-B-O-D.com, madbod. Um, and you can find me like that. Yeah. We'll also throw in your Twitter and your LinkedIn just so people can find you and mm-hmm. follow you that way as well. Um, thank you so much. We'll, we'll put in the show notes like links to Dory Clark, Runamitsetti, and School of Honk, um, and of course, your TV show. Um, so thank you so much. This has been a really fun conversation. Thanks, Raina. Thank you so much for having me, Robbie. What a pleasure. Good luck and all the best. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Raina Jafari. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 76. That's also where you'll find all the links from today's episode. I actually have a lot in store myself for 2018, including launching another podcast and writing a second book. First up, though, in early 2018, I'll be offering the next session of my Intentional Connections Mastermind. That's an online group coaching program for women coaches and speakers. I help these entrepreneurs shift their mindset around relationship building so they can discover new connections and business opportunities in the world around them and then act on them. Learn more and join the waitlist at robbysamuels.com forward slash mastermind. That's where you'll learn kind of what's in the offering and also get on a list so you can get all the details. That's robbysamuels.com forward slash mastermind. If you enjoyed this episode with Raina, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? 
That's awesome. I would love to read your review on iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talents professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.